This episode of TOEFOP is brought to you by Movement Watches. They are our favorite sponsors. They were the first to jump on board and we love them dearly. So remember, join the movement. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Topop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Will, you have such a dramatic lighting behind you. You're uh, recording at your place of work, which is a proper recording studio. And it's all chrome and glass and black paint. I, I said to you off air, it looks like you're in uh, the Batcave. Now, I need to point out, while I am recording in my place of work, I'm not recording with the equipment of my place of work so don't is that amazing I'm, i've just i've snuck our my zoom recorder and my computer uh into the studio so i'm actually surrounded by like this expensive machinery there's like in this studio there's a one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve 13, 14, 15, 16, 16 different television screens or sc- computer screens of some kind. There are um, uh, there are six microphones plugged into like a sound desk and there are five cameras that can, you know, film anything that's going on in this room. I, however, Charlie, am broadcasting uh, on my regular Zoom recorder that I've <laughs> snuck in uh, and uh, on our regular microphones and I am currently uh, Skyping you uh, hot spotting off my phone. <laughs> so <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Feels very tofop. Uh, yes, indeed. So don't expect any uh, uh, raise in the quality yeah. of what's going on. No, no. And uh, there may be even worse quality this week because uh, I have an ear infection, um, which has been driving me mental this week. Um, I've figured. You know, we've always joked about my little ears, but I, I think it's now a, um, I think it can be classified as like a, as a medical disability because I went and saw the doctor today. I've been having this sort of ear trouble the last, you know, couple of weeks. And then um, I normally, I have, you know, those ear syringes. Do you ever use ear syringes, like the little plungers to, to wash your ears out? No, never use one. Okay. Right. So I often have problems with like wax getting stuck in my ears. And so I'll have to like flush my own ears out. And I did that last night and it just seemed to make things worse. And then I woke up at like 4 a.m. and my entire neck was inflamed and my jaw, like just that entire side of my face. I felt like Harvey oh. Dent. To keep the Batman analogy going, I felt like Two-Face. It was so painful. And so I, um, 
I mean, it uh, wouldn't have been a great sort of origin story for Two Face, would they? Would it? Like, not quite as dramatic, you know, in in the Dark Knight, if it just turned out that Harvey Dent was flushing out his ears at night, and he ended up just like swelling up his neck and his face and turned into Two Face. Not quite as dramatic, really, is it? I mean, it's not. I I, I talked on the Weekly Planet when I did their show that um, one of my favourite ever um, moments from a Batman movie is that scene in Batman Forever, the Tommy Lee Jones Two-Face scene, where they they have CCTV footage from the courtroom in which, you know, Harvey Dent has acid thrown in his face. And so you see, like, the gangster throw acid in Harvey's face. And then it cuts to the gallery and you see Batman in full black rubber leap across, like, the guardrail to to stop the attack. It's like, hang on. Was Batman sitting there for the entire court case? He just kind of like filed in with the rest of the general public and sat down in full rubber and just waited for this this trial to take place? Yeah, just be discreet. Is it weird that Batman's here? Like in full <laughs> Batman uniform? Uh, yeah, so no, it was, not, it was not the Harvey Dent style origin story. So I went to see the doctor today and, and generally over the years when I've had ear problems, they will... They'll use the big medically approved syringe, like the big steel syringe. Like the, the doctor will flush my ears for me. It won't be the, the dinky little home kit I've got. Anyway, I saw a new doctor today who, um, do you ever see doctors and the vibe you get from them is that your issue angers them, that your particular ailment pisses them off? Do you ever get that vibe? Well, I still like uh, am reminded of my doctor, you know, who I went to for a medical like a year or so ago because uh, I was having some uh, like, you know, I was like, I don't know if I'm like peeing right. Like, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I feel like it's happening too often and not enough when it happens. I feel like this. And should it be coming out of my nose? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I should go and see him. And he's like, well, you've really got to, you know, get a, a finger, you know, uh, you know, to, to check, you know, if there's anything going on. And not into your penis, up the you know, oh, back right. entrance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure this is a doctor? <laughs> no. Well, this is the thing. He was like, no, you're going to have to go and see a professional to do that. I'm not going to do right. it. And I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. Because like, I thought that's the sort of thing that your regular doctor can hmm. do. But he just decided. It's the only reason they go to medical school is so they can give the finger. <laughs> Yeah, well, this guy, no, no way. He he had standards, Charlie. Even though he was a yeah. doctor and I was there and he could technically do it, he decided he needed to outsource that. And you know what that means, Charlie? Uh, I went back to peeing normally and I've never got it checked. <laughs> so there's a ticking time bomb for my health. <laughs> I love it. He psycholog- Psychologically, he played some kind of ducks and drakes with you. He said, I can get this guy over this ailment by giving him a worse alternative. Yeah, that I have to go to a specialist. Like, I'm happy for it to be part of a general consultation while he's checking out everything else. He also just like, and I also have to do this. But if I have to actually book in for that specifically to a specialist, sorry, I'm not going to make that appointment. I'm just going to try harder to pee better. Yeah, you kind of need to be ambushed with that kind of like, oh, we need to stick this somewhere where you don't want it to go. You need to sort of be, well, it's too far gone. I'm in the clinic now. I might as well. I don't want time to think about it. I don't want time to prepare. I don't want to have to like get an Uber to a place where I know that's going to happen. That's just not what I want my day to be about. So this doctor, this, he was this little Russian dude. And I mean, look, there is something about that sort of Russian demeanor. It's very similar to Germans where you don't detect a lot of humor in what they say. There isn't a lot of kind of like, uh, uh, it's a very, it's a very economical use of English. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
I told him what my problem was and he had a look at my ears and he was like, Ugh, like, like he was disgusted. He was disgusted by the state of my ears. Just like, oh, it's a mess. I think he said something along the lines of it's a mess or they're terrible or something. There was something very judgy. I can't remember the exact words. But what I also love about that is it's not like your ears are partic- like as in you've left them to become this. From what you've said, mm. you like syringe them and do all these things. I do nothing to my ears. It is just luck mm. that my ears are not a mess. You know, occasionally I'll shove a c- cotton bud in there and I don't think you're even meant to do that, but I'll do that. No. Give them a quick clean out and everything seems to be hunky-dory. You're syringing them. You're trying to keep them maintained and they're still a mess. That's not your fault. You're giving it a crack. Exactly. Well, he basically uh, disavowed me of everything that I had been taught about my ears because I had been told like, you know, the, 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 the regular treatment for the issues I'd have generally with like blockages and stuff was just to get him syringed. Either I do it myself or I go to a, a GP to do it. And he looked at my ears and he said, no, you have the wrong type of ears for that. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even know there were various types of ears whereby there would be various treatments. Well, look, I've always suspected, and, you know, it, it is fairly obvious that, you know, I have small ear lobes, so I've always suspected that maybe my oral canals are a bit narrow as well, because it makes sense, you know, the the uh, diameter of the external part of the ear is smaller, so potentially, you know, the inside could be smaller as well, and that would explain why my ears frequently get blocked, especially after swimming and stuff. Okay, yeah, sure. All right, uh, I'm, I'm willing to, based on no medical information at all, go with that as a theory. Well, well, if you'd just like to stick your finger in there. <laughs> but that's, a th- well, maybe that's an evolutionary thing. Maybe that's why you have small fingers. <laughs> maybe your small fingers have developed because you had a small ear hole that you had to stick your fingers in. <laughs> so he looks at my ears. And here's something that you don't hear every day. He's gone, the inside well, of you your ears... Have... your ears are all blocked up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, he says, the inside of my ears have eczema. Now, oh. keep in mind, I have eczema nowhere else on my body. I don't suffer from eczema, but apparently the one place I get eczema is inside my ears. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, this has just taken a twist that I wasn't expecting at all. So you have a specific eczema but it's only inside your ear eczema now firstly yeah. i don't think that i have eczema either although recently i've i've developed a little kind of itchy skin thing on the back of my leg which i, I had diagnosed and they say it's probably eczema right and right. i've never had it in the first 45 years of my life and it's not <laughs> a big deal now like they gave me a cream and it basically went away so it's not like a major thing but the idea that neither of us thought we had eczema and now that we we both have eczema, because eczema isn't contagious, mm. is it? It's not like I've rubbed my leg against your ear hole or something and we both caught eczema. I don't know. Michael, can you just Google uh, eczema for us and just send us some info while we keep talking? Um, yeah, I don't know uh, uh, whether or not it's contagious. What I do know is it actually explains why he looked inside my ears and went, ugh, it's a mess. All right. The most common form of eczema is a... Uh, atopic dermatitis. Uh, okay, not contagious, essentially, to cut to the punchline. Okay. Not contagious, no. 
Uh, it's the raw, irritated skin. If eczema becomes infected, the infecting may become... Uh, it may become contagious if it becomes infected, though. The infecting yeah. agent may be contagious. Right? Yeah, but the, okay. yeah, yeah, it's got to be infected. It's, you can't just, like, your regular eczema is not going to jump from one person to another. Also, we've not been in the same place. Also, I can't remember ever rubbing my leg against your ear hole. So, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that we can rule out that that's what's happened. I mean, the only time, and this has never happened, but I guess, like, maybe we went to the 2016 Grand Final together when the Bulldogs won if I had put you on my shoulders which would be quite a feat because you are much taller and much larger than I am but I mean if somehow that had happened that possibly could be an explanation for why it's in my ear and on your knee how would you feel about that Charlie if I'm going this is the most special day of my life and everybody in front of me standing up what I really need you to do as my friend (laughs) is lift me on your shoulders so that I can see better I would do it in that moment. Like I was, you, you were so happy that day and I was caught up in the moment of all those like ecstatic Bulldog supporters. If the best way for you to celebrate was to clamber up onto my shoulders like a three-year-old and so I could like parade you around, then I would have given it a shot. I mean, you'd have to give me some kind of indemnity for any kind of injury. Like chances are I'd drop you at some point or if I don't quite get, if we don't get the mount right or, you know, I'm trying to raise you up, you fall over. You can't then turn and sue me for dropping you face first onto the concrete. No, look, that's got to be a buyer beware situation, I would have thought. But um, (laughs) here's what I would say. How long do you think? Because I'm, let's say I'm 85 to 90 kilos, right? You know, depending on on the day. How long do you think you could balance someone who was 85 to 90 kilos on your shoulders? I'm just trying to think about what like I squat and deadlift. Yeah. Probably average I probably squat about 80 80 to 90, but that's right. that's on a, an assisted machine. Yeah, that's and also that's co- pretty like that those weights aren't as unco as I am. <laughs> They wouldn't be as unpredictable flailing. The weights aren't flailing around and moving their center of gravity at pretty much all times. I mean, I wonder if I would have to build up to it. Like if I went to the gym and somehow could destabilize the weight so it did have the unco nature of you. Right. And slowly like start at 30 kilos, go to 50 kilos. I reckon, look, if it was a life and death situation, like, you know, a mother sees a child trapped under a car kind of thing, like... If I had to boost you up onto a fence or, or get you out of danger, I think I could find the strength to do it, but it would be it would be a short burst of energy. It'd be like Roger Ramjet. You get two minutes of, uh, of atomic energy and then that would be it. Okay, what's more likely to happen? You, you and I are in a situation yep. where we have to save a baby's life, right? And we have mm. to... It's the combined height of both of us is the only way that we're going to be able to do it, right? Yes. So, which is the scenario that we go for first? Do you, with my bad hips and my bad back and my lack of strength, do we try to put you, the lighter person, on my shoulders first? Or do we go immediately to putting you, because you're stronger, and like, what would we, what would we try first, do you think? Um, I think we would go with me going, me boosting you up. Because I think if if the if the scenario calls for like stability, like we have to defuse mm-hmm. a bomb or whatever it is, you've okay. got to reach the you know you, you've got to reach the control panel to defuse the bomb. Like I think if I get in your back and your hips start giving out and you start swaying, it's gonna it's gonna create more issues. Whereas I think I can I've got a low center of gravity, I've got good core strength. I reckon I could hold you steady. It might 
give us less time to hold you up there. You mm. could probably hold me up there for longer, but I think you would be more unstable. Okay. All right. Anyway, we've we've digressed a little off our original <laughs> scenario, which is your infected exmary ear holes. Yeah, right. So, okay. So then he... Um, he says to me, because of the nature of my ear holes, I've been doing, my treatment has been all wrong. Like I should not be putting water in those little narrow oral canals because right. uh, as you know, Will, uh, moisture leads to infection. So that's essentially what I did because last night I was working and it was driving me nuts. I couldn't hear out of my left ear. And so I went and gave it a good old blasting with a syringe and nothing happened. I just went to bed with a damp ear hole oh, and yeah, then woke right. up with an infection. So he said that... Um, my particular, my particular uh, 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 shortcoming uh, uh -huh. means that I can only get my ears professionally cleaned. <laughs> that the home kit, the home syringing is not going to cut it with the kind of, the, with the precise, uh, the precision required to clean my ears needs the hand and the tools of an expert. Yeah, this is a job for a prof professional. Yeah, and I didn't even know. And I mean, this has been like a, probably 20 years I've been, dealing with this and I had no idea there even was a professional or a step up because every time I've gone to the GP for the same kind of issue they've just pulled out this big steel metal syringe and as we've confirmed with uh, some of our team out we have a lot of doctors who listen to this show so if you want to write in and let us know uh, if I've been mistreated all these years or if this technology is only recently available. Or if this Russian doctor's got some deal with some, you know, professional ear cleaning operation yeah. that he's trying to, you know, it's like, and he's trying to rip you off. You'd yeah. You some yeah. $120 an hour professional ear cleaner. Yeah, it's like when you buy like a luxury European car and they're like, well, you can only get it serviced here if you want the warranty to last. Even though you could take it to any bloody mechanic and get it done. Well, Mike Howell's brought up. Oh, here we go. Manual yeah. cleaning of the ear by a healthcare professional is called an oral <laughs> toilet. Which I feel will also be the name of this episode. And is often recommended to remove the debris and scale that can build up in the ear canal. It is done, uh, this is a, uh, by the way, a great reboot for Canal Road, Ear Canal Road. <laughs> uh, so uh, it is done under a microscope, either using a pick or hook or using micro-suction and electric suction system. Okay, so okay. so do, did he recommend a professional ear cleaner to you? Uh, well, he was the professional ear cleaner. I should say, so I went oh. and saw just the regular GP at this medical center. Okay. And he immediately referred me to the ear specialist who was also in the clinic. So I went from, bounced from one, uh, one doctor Convenient. to Convenient. <laughs> well, you think it's a scam? It sounds a little scammy to me. Suddenly there happens think he to be a professional ear cleaner right there available on the premises. Look, I don't want to cast aspersions over any nationality, but we do know the Russians are particularly good at extortion. Right. Like, you know, AT when it comes to ATMs, when it comes to hmm, maybe even like, you know, uh, presidential elections. Yeah, they're quite hacking good democracy. at holding people yeah, to yeah, account. Exactly. Having P-tapes to yeah, bribe the leader of the free world into doing what they think. I'd, I don't think it's too far to think they might be running some ear cleaning scam on the side. Yeah. Like when I, I did think it was odd when I went in there. He said, do you like the girls? Do you like yeah. the girls? He'll send some girls to you. Tell me, do you like the girls? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm fine. I just want to get my ears cleaned. Okay. You know, in Russia, we have saying, man with narrow ears can't do Russian accent. Hang on. What's my Russian? Uh, I can do Russian. Let me just think. Okay. I always, my default Russian is always John Malkovich and Rounders, where he says to, he says to Matt Damon, <laughs> what? 
Is that the most accurate of all Russian accents? John Malkovich in Rounders. John Malkovich, who sounds like he's doing a voice for Family Guy in Rounders. That's your go-to Russian. Well, the thing about like when you do an impersonation or when you do an accent, often going directly to the source is not helpful. But if you can find someone who does it, it helps you identify what the sounds are. So there's a line in Rounders where he says to Matt Damon, you do not have my money. I kill you. <laughs> so that's, you don't have my money. Uh, Mr. Clawson, come in here. Let me clean your, oh, that's bad. Here we go. I'm in, I'm in this. Uh, Mr. Clawson, come in here. Let me clean your ears. Let me take a look. You like uh, girls? You like girls? We cannot send the girls to you. Oh, no, now I'm losing it again. <laughs> it went a little Yogi Bear in the middle as well. <laughs> you like a bigger nigga? Hey, boo-boo. Hey, boo-boo. <laughs> um, yeah, so he uh, he tells me that I've been doing it all wrong. I need to get him professionally cleared. And that's when he pulls out the microscope and the microsuction thing, which I'd okay. never seen before. So essentially, what they do, you know, like when you go to the dentist and they've got that little vacuum thing, the little yeah. metal tube, and they put it... Yeah, exactly. So they put this little plastic cone in your ear. Uh, so they, I guess they can target what part of the ear they want to go uh-huh. to. And then, so they put the plastic cone in first and then they stick the little, it's like a little metal vacuum into the cone. And then they just sort of with targeted precision, like suck up all the wax. Okay. Now, yeah, go on. Sounds pleasant, to be honest. I feel, it feels like one of those things I'm like, oh yeah, I wouldn't mind getting that under my ears. Well, he, have you ever had your ears, uh, uh, ears candled? What is that what Literally called? never Can- done anything to the inside of my ears. The inside You've of never my ears. candled. No. Again, like occasionally a, a cotton bud, which again, I know you're not meant to do, but that is oh. my entire ear cleaning routine for my life has been the occasional cotton bud. You should, um, I think you'd like getting your ears candled. It is apparently com- being completely debunked mm. and doesn't do anything. But the idea behind that is so you lie on your side and you have this long kind of like cloth candle and you burn it down and the heat, the burning of the oxygen turns it into a vacuum and it sucks mm all the dirt out of your ear, but it feels kind of nice because you can hear the crackling and the heat sort of melts the wax. And and then the best bit is once it's done is you cut the candle open and you see all the goop inside that it sucked out of your ear. <laughs> yeah, except that it isn't because it's all a yeah. giant con. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a giant con. Um, so it's similar to when you get your teeth polished at the dentist, like the sound like it's more psychosomatic than it is actual pain. Like okay. it's just that sound of the, because it's yeah, really close much. to your eardrum. Yeah. But when it starts sucking the wax out, it is quite pleasurable. I've got to admit, like there is something really nice. It's kind of like, it's the cotton bud thing. You know, when you just sort of get that right angle inside your ear and you just sort of, oh. And so it's that, but it sort of goes in waves where you, Oh, this is a bit scary because it's all loud and stuff. And then all the pleasure and then the fucking pain of them hitting the infected flesh oh, around your yeah, ear right. Ow. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. I forgot that your ear canals were actually a landmine of infected eczema. Yeah. Well, he said he had to, uh, he had to abort mission halfway through. He said, it's so infected. He's gone, I can see, I can barely see your eardrum. Like apparently the ear is so swollen inside there that it's closed up around my eardrum. So he said, there's still more wax in there. But we're gonna have to. We're gonna leave it for next week. So I've been sent home with some eardrops and a real scolding by this very disapproving doctor. Like, really made me feel bad about my hygiene. Hang on, but what? What was his disapproval towards you? 
Oh, that I had been uh, a foolish in my attempts to clean my own ears. And that no one been... in the world knows that you're not meant to clean your own fucking ears. It feels like to me you've actually been giving it a real crack and trying to do something about the issue you have. This guy's got... I didn't even know that like professional ear cleaning fucking existed until today. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. I didn't know there was a machine. I'd been using this old school bloody syringe and then this guy lets me know... I didn't even know the syringe know... existed. You were a step ahead of me. I didn't know there was such a thing as an ear syringe. Well, like I said, it may have less to do with his actual disapproval and more to do with his accent. I mean, okay. I, I felt judged, but mm. that might just be completely subjective. Right. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but th- then you have to come back, right? You have to come back for another appointment. <laughs> well, now the pressure's on because I want to impress him. I want to show that I've taken like his advice to heart. And like he was saying, so I've got these ear drops. I have to take two drops a day for the next, like, I don't know, week or so. Um, in your ears, <laughs> you mean? Not like they're not like a medicine that you take orally. They're, oh, no. Through, orally? Through, or, or not orally? The, not orally. Through the eye of my penis. He <laughs> said, so that'll clean up your ears. This is, yeah. You've been doing it wrong. This is what you got to do. You got to put these eye drops into the eye of your penis. <laughs> not a doctor uh, and for and for a small fee we can do it professionally here you <laughs> like the girls <laughs> i'm not even russian i'm not even russian i just recently watched john melkovich in rounders <laughs> you do not have my drops i kill you oh no it's lost it, it was weird that he kept uh, uh taking a, a an oreo cookie and splitting it in half before he said each thing was that rounders <laughs> that's rounders right i think that's rounders yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, so I've got to take these, I've got to put these drops in, but he was saying like, you know, don't get your ears, ear hole, ear holes wet, don't put any, never stick anything in. So you may have heard your grandmother say to you, Will, uh, never put anything smaller than your elbow in your ear. Yeah, I've heard it, but I've ignored it and I seem to be fine. <laughs> um, so the rules are don't get your ears wet, don't feed them after midnight. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what is it, bright lights or something? I can't remember. What's the third rule? Don't feed um, them after midnight. Don't get them wet. And don't talk about Fight Club. What is the third? What are the, Mike Hal, what are the three rules of Gremlin Gremlins. Club? <laughs> the Gremlins rules are you don't, uh, don't feed them after midnight. You don't get them wet. And you don't try to fuck them. What is the third one? Uh, three rules. No bright light. Oh. Don't get them wet. Never feed them after midnight, no matter how much he begs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to be my ears from now on. Although they used a very bright light to look in there. Oh, Gremlin Ear um, Clawson. All right, we're just going to take a little break from the show to talk about our great sponsor, Movement Watches. Will stepped out for a moment, but a uh, special guest has stepped in in his place, my wife, Gemma. Hi, Gem. Hello. Thank you for stepping up and doing this. You don't know much about Movement Watches, do you? Other than the one you wear, no. Okay, so here we go. Let me dazzle you with some facts. So Movement Watches are our all-time favorite underdog success story. They're founded on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank and they've sold, guess how many watches worldwide? Um, half a million. Uh, two million. Wow. So, pretty impressive, <laughs> right? And their uh, philosophy is they bring quality designs at fair prices. So, you know I've got my Black Rose Movement watch. Uh-huh. It's my favorite watch. Yep. How good do I look when I'm wearing that? You look pretty stylish. Do you think that if we weren't already married you would fall in love with me as soon as you saw me wearing that watch. If we were just two strangers walking down the street and you saw that watch, would you even look at my face or just your eyes would be on the watch? I would spend the night trying to steal your watch. (laughs) Movement watches inspire people to theft. But it makes me look cooler, doesn't it? Will always laughs because I say when I have a fancy event, 
That's when I put on my movement watch. It's true. It's true. Your fancy watch. <laughs> That's my fancy watch. <laughs> and they've got heaps of other great styles. In fact, I've been looking online and uh, I like to choose my watches like I choose my wine by the name of them. I'm glad you didn't say wife. <laughs> <laughs> they have a, a watch there that I, I really like. It's called the Oath. It's a beautiful um, a brush metal watch. And I think that's going to be my next purchase. Are you like, dropping hints? Yeah. Well, my birthday is coming up. True. Wait, wait. They, uh, they, you know what? They also have women's watches as well oh. and accessories. So if you want me to return the favor, but my birthday is before yours. So if you buy me a movement watch, I'll buy you a movement watch. How Deal. does that work? Okay, cool. Um, movement also have sunglasses and other accessories. And you know what? They are the perfect gift for friends, family, and significant others. In fact, if they made dog watches, we'd probably get junior one as well. Oh, we'd need four. <laughs> <laughs> four watches and a pair of sunglasses. Um, uh, so, see, talk about the compliments you received. Well, you already said that I look really cool when I wear my watch. Um, their philosophy is all is about looking good and keeping it simple. Because everyone's got these fancy schmancy iPhone watches. How old did I sound then? They've got their gadgets and their gizmos. <laughs> you sounded like, <laughs> like you've never used one. <laughs> so people have their smart watches. And uh, movement, keep it simple. They don't have watches that tell you how many steps you've taken or blow up your wrist with uh, text messages like, hey, are you up? Not that I would ever are have a reason. To tell me something? No, I would never have reason <laughs> to get a call like that in the middle of the night. Um, in fact, maybe that's a great reason to stick with movement watches, just to keep your marriage stable. <laughs> They're not overly intrusive on your life with notification and text messages and emails and stuff. All they do is they tell the time, like a true classic timepiece. Now, I'll give you a little background on the guys who started because it's a great story. It's our favorite underdog story. Did I mention that at the start? So it's a ground up entrepreneur story. So these two guys started with crowdfunding as two college dropouts. And they understood that living on a tight budget um, meant that sometimes you couldn't get those super fancy watches. But they were like, we want quality products at an affordable price. So this little simple philosophy of simple designs and great value has mean, meant they've sold over 2 million watches in 160 countries. That's impressive. So they start at $95. Now, ordinarily, if you went to one of your fancy schmancy department stores that you always drag me to while you're trying a million clothes and I sit in the corner trying to look interested you would have to pay about 400 bucks. But movement charge, well, they start at just $95. What could you, okay, so that's $305 saving. What could you buy with that? What would you buy yourself with the money you're saving on a movement watch? Maybe some sunglasses and a present for someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Four watches for our dog. <laughs> uh, okay, here's the important part, everyone listening to this show. To get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns, you go to movement.com slash TOEFOP. That last bit's important because that's how they know that we sent you and they'll keep sponsoring us as long as people use that promo code. Movement's launching new styles all the time. So go to their website and check them out. That's movement.com. And remember, if you want to help us out and get a 15% discount, you put in movement.com slash TOEFOP. Do you know what the slogan for them is that we go out on? Join the movement. I'm looking forward to my birthday present. Hey, uh, this uh, this may need to be spoiler marked, but can we talk a little bit? Are you in keeping up on Game of Thrones? Uh, I'm not up to. I, I haven't watched the most uh, recent episode. Oh, but I okay. am. Let's say let's save it till the the next the the last episode's next week. Why don't we do a big sort of Game of Thrones wrap up okay. next week? No, that gives people episode. time to. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to jump in. Let there. me just put a bit of a sizzle and just say, people and fans of TV shows are fucking idiots. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Interesting. I'll be interested to hear what you think. Uh, in that they complain about things that have been clearly coming oh. for the entire series. 
well, not just that, but just, I mean, they want to be surprised by something. Then the writers give them something surprising and then they get fucking angry. Like, you know what I mean? That's what annoys me. Right. Well, I think that we've also forgotten because here's what I would say just in a general sense. We, there are so few cultural moments that we are all following together that I think mm. we've ramped up our commentary and anxiety and you know, discourse around those things. You know, in the old days when we used to be following, I've noticed it with Survivor, like because I'm still, right. you know, it's one of the rare things that you watch week to week and there's people commenting on it week to week still, that the commentary around what people like and don't like around Survivor is at such a fever pitch compared to what it used to be. And people right. are all or nothing, you know, on things. Yes. And it's the same with Game of Thrones. I, like, because I think we're having so few conversations where everybody is watching the same thing that we've just completely heightened, you know, our expectations and the level of like sort of dramatic commentary around these things. Well, I guess it's like similar to the whole Last Jedi thing. Like the, the major upset that people seem to have with that movie, and I'm look, there's lots of upset that people have with that movie, and we've had perfect, every time we mention it. The only good Star Wars movie, and all the other Star Wars <laughs> yeah, movies are rubbish. Yeah. Great. See, you don't check the T mail. I do. The <laughs> amount of shit I've read where people will, well, actually, Will and Charlie. The reason people don't like, like I don't give a fuck. All right, let's do just not talk give about a fuck. this. It was good, and if you didn't think it was good, then you also probably thought that Aquaman was good, and you're wrong about both those things. People are allowed to have their own opinions, but not about those two topics. But there's this expectation that stories should go a certain way, right? Like, this is yeah. the story that I want. This is, the char- this is how I imagine the character. This is how I want it to go. Well, you know what? Go fucking write your own bit of fan fiction. Right. You know? And also, if it had gone exactly the way that you wanted to, wouldn't that be boring? Wouldn't you be upset? I mean, that's why I think that um, Endgame did such a good job. Because while there will be bits of that that people don't like, they managed to do enough sort of, this is what people wanted, but also here's a few surprises along the way as well. You know, And look, there'll be minor quibbles, but compared to something like Game of Thrones, there just hasn't been that same... And they could have fucked it up so badly. The fact that they mm. haven't had that same level of vitriol or commentary around it, I think is one of the the greatest achievements, you know, of Endgame. Yeah, I kind of feel like I really admire people who want to subvert expectation. Like, especially when you are the creative minds behind a massive, massive franchise. Like, right. the, courage, the courage it must take to go, you know what? People are expecting this. This is, what, this is where it will go. Why don't we just do something completely different and make people reassess how they feel about characters or reassess how they feel about where a story was going. That's what I think is really interesting. Well, also, if you already know where it's all going and you've already decided where it's all going, you don't actually need to see it. Mm. Like, you know, but just- that maybe that's, but maybe that's the, you know, again, it's that social media thing. If we just live in a world of fan service, like everything is comic con, everything is cosplay where everyone gets to sort of create their own perfect version of the characters and the story that they like. Right. And, and that's fine, but you just, you can create that yourself. Just create it in your imagination. Like, you know, I mean, essentially that's what, you know, playing with superhero toys were, right? You get your Iron Man toy and you get your Hulk toy and you get your Captain America toy and you come up with your own story about what was happening with those guys. You're still allowed to do that. But, yeah. you know, the people who came up with the stories have the rights to do with their stories whatever they want to do with their stories. I mean, 
even George Lucas, if he wants to, you know, go back and yeah, in, introduce midi chlorins and yeah, write mm. big movies about galactic politics. I mean, it's his right. They were terrible movies, yeah. but like, it's his right to do that. He, he's the guy who came up with it. Well, it's kind of like um, Annie Wilkes in Misery, isn't it? You know, you've got an author who's had a successful series of books, and then he's like, you know what? I think I'm done with this. I'm going to kill the character of Misery in my final book because it's my prerogative. And then some fucking psycho out there wants to take you and break your leg with a sledgehammer for what is essentially your right as the creator. Right. Yeah. The the idea that the audience has more ownership over it than the person who created it in the first place. Now, the uh, yes, the idea that it became popular because the audience takes some ownership over it is absolutely the case. But I'm always, I mean, even as a stand-up or even with this podcast, I'm always fascinated by the idea that people are you know, you're like it, it's our thing if you don't like it go and do your own thing you know mm. have your own thing where you can talk about how good aquaman was and how shit the last jedi was you can yeah. i'm not going to listen to it and i'm certainly not going to message you and say that you're wrong about it but on our podcast i definitely am going to do that yeah it is quite funny when people uh suggest how we should podcast yeah the things we should talk about or shouldn't talk about I mean, didn't someone contact you and complain about um, when we very, very lightly talked about Avengers, where we gave about, you know, a minute's worth of spoiler warnings and then very, very cursorily talked about the plot. And then someone still was like, oh, spoilers. Yeah. And we said there were spoilers. We literally spent a minute of the podcast telling you there was probably going to be spoilers. It's your fault, mate. You kept listening. I can't. I can't protect you from the world. Like, you know, I don't want to be the inflatable, like, you know, bowling things they put in the gutters at bowling. So you never put a bowling ball in the gutter, mate. You got to live yourself. You got to live your own life a little. Even my cow's chiming in saying he gave time codes at the beginning of the episode and it was in the description. So like, I mean, what? You want a nanny state, mate? You want a nanny podcast? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, um, can I, I, we were talking about medical things and I just wanted to get back yep. to that for a minute because I've discovered something about my um, body yesterday, not from a doctor, but from my hairdresser. Uh, yeah. I've, I knew that as you got older, because I'm 45 now, I knew that uh, at some stage your hairline starts to recede, right? Mm. Now, that hasn't happened for me. I haven't really been losing any of my hair at all and my hair grows no, really, good. really quickly. But I've stopped dyeing my hair. And it turns mm-hmm. out since I've stopped dyeing my hair, Charlie, that not only is my hair growing faster, but I am growing new hair. So What do you mean? So suddenly, in front of where my original fringe is, I've started, I don't know if you can see it on the Skype, but there's like, a, like about an inch, an inch and a half mm. of like hair there. That's it's in front the- of... My old so you have, a pre- you have a preceding hairline. I do. It's growing. <laughs> I've started to grow new hair in front of my old hair. <laughs> like I've got like a little, it's like I've got bangs, but but oh, they're growing man. fresh hair. Like, I mean, it's, it's going very slowly at this point. It's not like I'm get, they're going to join my eyebrows or anything, but I've got like a whole new lot of hair that sprouted up. I didn't even know that was possible. I mean, do you worry that, the unethical scientists from advanced hair mm. are going to capture you and study you. They're going to dissect you and study you and try and work out. They're like, if we can find the DNA strand in this man's body that can grow hair, we will corner the market 
on hair replacement technology. I mean, should I, should I, maybe this is what I, we should be pursuing. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it's like a Tofop Hair Studios sort of arrangement. <laughs> yeah, great. Like somehow we need to splice whatever you're, we need, well, we need to bring, what is it, a biologist, someone, and uh, someone to come on and, and work out how we can isolate whatever part of your DNA it is that makes you grow hair. Well, I mean, I imagine they can do that, right? But it's the specific hair that's growing on my head. Now, like, because I understand they could just go to anyone who can grow hair and get that bit of DNA. But this is like, I mean, at 45, your hair's only meant to be... That, yeah. but th that, what, that thing that you just pointed out, the preceding hair. Yeah, that's what <laughs> like, we need. It's not the regular that's hair need. that's the issue. It's this advanced troop okay. of hair. All right, well, maybe, maybe it's too big a project for us to take on on our own, but maybe if we did a partnership with advanced hair. Oh, yeah. So what we would do, because I think... Michael, you might want to just Google this. How does hair replacement technology work? But I think what they do is they graft, like they cut hair out of a part, one area and, and put it. If we, so if we can somehow take some of your miracle grow hairline and start putting it on people. So we, I guess we'd have, to, we'd have to put you on some kind of like incubation, some kind of farm where you're not going to be stressed out. We just sit there. We just bring you all the food and you know, entertainment you want. So you can just concentrate on growing hair and then we just discreetly come up and cut some clippings and then plant them onto the heads of bald men. Okay, so oh, that, um, there's a little... That's fucking horrifying. ...for hair transplantation. So hair transplantation is a surgical technique that removes hair follicles from one part of the body called the donor site to a bald or balding part of the body known as the recipient site. Okay, so there you go. So basically you're absolutely right. You take one part of your body that can grow hair and you put it on the part of your body that can't grow hair. But all I really need to do, Charlie, is because I don't need this extra fringe. I'm happy with where my hairline was originally. I don't need like this, you know, sort of mini fringe that's happening here. So we could just remove that part of my skull and then put it in a lap, like grow it separately. <laughs> I don't even have to be involved. Do you know what I mean? They just take that bit out and then they sort of, you know, get it to grow independently. I thought you would have liked the incubation if we just locked you in some kind of like, you know, we would make it nice for you. It's just like a, it's somewhere you can't leave, but we'll give you all the things you want, like all, you know, big TV, all the food you kind of want to eat, but you just sort of have to stay there like a, like a prized cow. Well, how do we know that it's genetic and not environmental? Because that would be the oh. other thing, right? It may be the way that I'm living my life that is adding some sort of, you know, environmental factor to this that is actually adding to my hair regeneration. So uh, we just have to run some experiments, I guess. We'd have to sort of test, we'd have to, we'd have to alter your living arrangements from time to time and work out what the results are. Right. Is, we're going to have to get a research grant is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, normally they're like, you know, because I've been going through quite a stressful period in my life, you know, for a couple of months. And normally they yeah. say, you know, when you're going through a stressful period, you, you, know, you lose your hair. You're pulling your own hair out. But I've had almost the you know, George Costanza opposite reaction. I'm living in a bizarro world where in a stressful situation, I'm growing more hair. Is there any chance that the more stressful my life becomes, the more hair I grow? Uh, what a wonderful uh, dichotomy for a hero story. Right. You could potentially give the world, the world's bald population, their hair back. But in order for that to happen, you have to stay in a state of intense suffering. <laughs> in a constant state of stress. 
<laughs> repopulate male pattern baldness, but I have to constantly, at all times, be un- under an unusual level of stress. Not enough that it'll kill me, but enough that I'll oh, feel like it would. That's, um, I mean, how much, how much, what would it take? I mean, would you do it just for, I mean, do you find the plight of bald men is enough to motivate you, or would it be a financial incentive here? Oh, what you think that I'm going to do this just for the plight of bald men? Get fucked! <laughs> like, <laughs> no. I mean, think about all the joy Bruce Willis has brought you over the years. Don't you owe Bruce a little something? No, because bald Bruce, I like. I don't like. I don't want Bruce with a big head of like long, luxurious, growing hair. I like him with like a shaved male pattern baldness head. That's that's my Bruce Willis look. I like. Um, no, nah, it's got to be purely okay. financial. The rock, this is... the, the rock, the rock comes to you. Yeah, the rock comes to you, and he says, "Will, look, Will. you know, I know I'm one of the most famous bald men going around, but to be honest, like I miss my hair. Uh, I want to hire you to grow some hair for me, but that means let's say it's going to take twelve months mm. of extreme stress for you to grow some hair for the rock. Is that?" You need a financial incentive on top of that, or is it the fact that The Rock wants to hang out with you? Is that a- <laughs> <laughs> well, if if The Rock covers my expenses, like yeah, I don't want to be out of pocket, but yeah, for the opportunity to hang out with The Rock, I'd probably put myself under an unusual level of strength. So that, like, say for example, The Rock's like, I'm the biggest box office drawer in the world, but what I really want to do is win an Oscar. I want to be taken seriously. And, you know, our theory is that I can't be taken seriously while I've still got this, like, you know, bald-headed, like, wrestling look. I've got to grow Mm. some natural, not a wig. I've got to actually naturally grow my hair back so that I can play this role that's going to get me an Oscar. And the only way that we can do that and be convincing is for you to be put under unusual stress for a year uh, to grow hair that I'll have transplanted onto my own head. Uh, But you will get to hang out with me and I'll cover your expenses. Deal. I mean, but but does that make sense though? Because on one hand, you're saying I get to hang out with The Rock, but you can't enjoy those experiences because we have to keep you in a constant state of stress. So even though you know you might be sitting on The Rock's couch watching wrestling or whatever you'd like to do with The Rock, we have to create the circumstances so you are not enjoying it. Like, uh, meanwhile, you know um, you've lost all your savings or your house. You know the bank takes your house or something like that. So, well, I think, you are know, you going to be able to? Is, I think it's just that at any stage while I'm having fun with the rock, that it could be taken away from me. So, uh, like you know, that, so anytime you're like, we're about to sit down and eat like 19 cookies each on a cheap day, <laughs> and then suddenly they just rip you away from that scenario. <laughs> So no! you're in this constant level of stress. So even when you're hanging out with The Rock, you don't know at what stage they're going to rip you away from The Rock. And that's enough to keep you stressed. <laughs> so you'd do it just for The Rock. Any other baldies? Would you do it for Vin Diesel? No. Dear God, no. Gary Ablett. Um, Junior. Uh, is he going to talk to me about religion, do you think? Probably. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he probably nah. wouldn't be for it because he'd probably think it defies God's law or something. The science is spitting in the face of God or something. Yeah, that's a good point. He wouldn't be into it anyway. Um, uh, no, I think The Rock would be the only person, the only bald person right. that I would do it for would be The Rock. Well, we have talked on this show how, you know, we'd do anything to be best friends with The Rock. Well, there you go. <laughs> you have to be his stress 
stress-inducing troll doll. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, and when he wins his Oscar, I feel like I'd be part of that. I'd be able to watch the TV as The Rock accept his Oscar and go, that's my hair. It's my hair that got him across the line there. Yeah. I grew that hair. <laughs> All right, let's uh, get to some tough correspondence. Michael, I, I, I'm going to start with T-Mail, but Michael, I need you to remind me because I can't remember what letters we read last week. Did did we read a letter from a girl who talked talking about funky cold Medina? Just say yes or no. No, Does I don't think so. Familiar? No. Okay. Great. Okay. Good. Because <laughs> honestly, I read some of these things and I'm like, well, did we talk about this or not? Okay. This is uh, just to give you an idea of how far back around the mailbag. This was on the 14th of March. <laughs> we got sent this message. Uh, it's from Lucy O. Hey Tofop. Hey guys. You might be shocked to know that a group of high school girls have been listening to you since the early dirty days. We used to listen to you individually at night and then discuss the episodes the next day during recess and lunch. So you might say we're the original uh, Game of Thrones, Will. <laughs> since we've left school, we've kept in touch uh, by going to Will's shows and TOEFOP events, so thank you. Anyway, I'll stop sucking up and I'll get to my story. I listened to your episode about the problematic song Funky Cold Medina. Being 23, I had never heard this song before, and it was a real insight. <laughs> so sorry, I'm just realizing that uh, Lucy's 23. I wonder how she's enjoyed the fucking 20-odd minutes we talked about our medical, uh, our <laughs> medical problems and being old men. Being 23, I'd never heard this song before, and it was a real insight into how much things have changed since the 80s, or so I thought. A week later, I was at my uncle's wedding when I heard it come onto the dance floor. Picture this, about 10 45 to 55 year olds wearing monster energy hats, <laughs> piping hot khaki shorts, DC skateboarding shoes and their good shirts, belting it out in a circle whilst they each took turns in attempting to break dance in the center. The wives and children looked on in disgust. <laughs> If you're wondering whether they were concerned about the problematic lyrics, apparently not. Later, some woman had the audacity to put on midnight oil and one of the breakdancers ripped the jack out of her hand and started ranting about people who side with the racist expletive. Oh, wow. Anyway, just wanted to give you an insight into the kind of people who still like funky cold Medina. Right. Wow. That's... Everyone relax and stay away from Ringwood. <laughs> wow there's like, just like a lot in that that's a real picture of suburbia that is <laughs> jack writes into us to colin fop hi will and charlie thanks for the hundreds of hours of free quality bullshit to help us get through our days i was listening to a recent episode where you read a letter from a guy called Jaden who asked charlie for some advice as an experienced fork nabber on reducing fork theft in the workplace it made me think how the higher uh, how they hire white hat hackers to stop malicious computer bad guys. It got me wondering what minor crime Will would consult on as a white hat expert. Mm -hmm. All right, so if you had to be like a Frank Abagnale, Abagnale, whatever his name is, Junior, then you had to sort of consult with the CIA because you're an expert in a, a certain form of crime. What would it mm -hmm. be, you think? Mm -hmm. <sighs> Gee, um, okay, well, one one that I've noticed since I'm back in the workforce is that I'm a bandit for just, cause I'm in the office at a time where no one else is really in the office. And I must admit that I often, if I have forgotten a pen, will just 
take a pen off whatever the nearest desk is and you yeah, son of a bitch yeah, never return it never return it oh you're the guy because i have pens go missing from my desk all the freaking time yeah i'll tell you what my one is it's how to get biscuits from the biscuit jar without anyone noticing what i've worked out see if you spend too long in the kitchen people are going to know you're getting a biscuit but i've got a big water bottle and if I do a slow fill on the water bottle, it gives me enough time to discreetly reach into the biscuit jar and grab the Monte Carlos and the Kingston's, dig through all the family assorted bullshit with no cream in them, get to the good ones, and then get out without anyone knowing that that's what I went in there for. There's a new range of chocolate in Australia. Have you seen this? That It's got all different yes. biscuits in it. Have you had some? I can't wait to try it. No, have you? So the other night I went with, so there's one that has scotch fingers in it. There's one that has ice vovos in it. There's one that has Jats or like Savoys, like, yeah, that's mm, sort of. That's the one I'm most excited about. Okay. And then there's a wagon wheel one. So I went with the yeah. wagon wheel one first because I thought most yeah. likely to work out of those scenarios yeah. is your wagon wheel. And to be honest, I like the flavors of a wagon wheel, but I actually don't like the texture and construction of the wagon wheel. Sure. I find it a difficult thing to eat i don't really like how it eats and the chocolate balance would be off because the wagon wheel is perfectly calibrated with just the right amount of chocolate coating to biscuit to marshmallow to jam but now it's all chocolate with marshmallow and jam right well he's that's what you would think but it's delicious it's so good oh, it? i loved it and so based on the success of how much i like the wagon wheel one i went and got the jats one that was the next one that i went with again highly recommend <laughs> Yes, I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait. All I've read on the internet is people having reviews of them saying how terrible they are. And I'm like, I'm so out of step with public opinion because this is the greatest idea in the history of chocolate and biscuits. Yeah, Gemma's going away for work on Sunday. And after I drop her off at the airport, first place I'm going is to Coles so I can get like four of those, four or five of those blocks of chocolate so I can eat them at once without her divorcing me. <laughs> Uh, Jack continues on he just asks about the Bill and Ted third movie but we've talked about them before um, a big sincere thank you and both the Michaels for giving us uh, something so valuable for free oh man that's how you write a letter Will lots of sucking up it's I mean great. it feels like ever since we berated people for being mean to us and told them to suck up to us that people have really taken that <laughs> advice on board <laughs> Ask for what you want in life, people. That's the message. As, uh, we mentioned doctors earlier, and here is a letter from a doctor. This is from Malad. Uh, the subject, now how's this for a fucking esoteric subject? Now isn't real. Okay, I'm in. Okay. Hey, Tofop. You mentioned uh, listening to Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now uh, during the last teabag, Charlie. I was curious what you both thought about this concept of being in the now. I'm yet another one of those doctors who loves listening to Tofop. I'm really into oriental medicine, martial arts and such. And so I practiced meditation and mindfulness for a number of years. I practiced meditation and mindfulness for a number of years. Now that I'm a bit older, I feel like mindfulness is really nonsense though. The way I see it, trying to be in the now is like trying to follow an individual drop of water as you watch a river flow by you. It's all moving so fast and there's so many other things happening that by the time you try to catch it, it's already gone. We are all moving into the future at speed and trying to stay present to a moment that never stops long enough to let us really see it just slows down our natural ability to process it all. Okay, so here's what I would say about this is like, I, I like to think it's more like you're, so for example, being in the now, but with what he's saying is it's like mm. being in a river and letting the current 
uh, pull you along at the exact rate that the current is moving forward, as opposed yes. to like trying to be in a boat or whatever to move faster than the current is moving. So, y- yes, you are constantly moving in the future. The idea of living in the now, if you stop time, if everything else is moving forward, you're not living in the now, you're living in the past mm. because yes. everything else moves forward while you stand still. So the idea is that you're meant to be in tune with the momentum or the progress that things uh, is that that is that yeah, right? that makes sense to me yeah, yeah i agree i mean the idea of i mean my understanding when i meditate and and try to be in the moment so to speak to use that river metaphor is that you're not trying to isolate or hold on to that moment it's the opposite it's you acknowledge the moment and then let it pass and then acknowledge the next moment so if you are acknowledging like moment after moment after moment after speed then that's fine but the idea is that it should be effortless that you are not focusing energy on it that you're allowing the river to still flow while still being able to acknowledge like if you were sitting by a river and you saw a stick floating past you would see that stick floating past but then the stick is gone and then you would see the empty river and then maybe the next thing that floats past so that's my interpretation of it yeah i'm gonna um i'm gonna come up with a book called the power of now no now no (laughs) now no now now no now Milad continues i am yet uh, sorry i really like the science of medicine and the science tells a similar story of speed. There are thousands of billions of billions of chemical reactions occurring in each of our bodies every second, by our best estimates. The quantum particles in our atoms are all communicating with each other at faster than light speed, basically, in, basically instantaneously, to create the physical reactions that set the stage for those chemical ones. The mind cannot hope to understand that kind of complexity or speed. At best, it provides a distorted picture of physical reality which it then uses to make judgments and predictions about the world. However, yeah. well, there's also that idea that, you know, t- all time, time, you know, exists at once and we own the experience in a, in a linear fashion. Yes. However, there's something in our bodies that can make sense of all that information, something that coordinates those countless chemical reactions and keep it all going. It keeps our hearts beating day in, uh, day in and day, uh, beating day in and day out, I guess. Even when no other part of our body is working, like a fine-tuned machine, this is called natural intelligence. To differentiate it from artificial intelligence, which gets all the headlines and funding these days. What little is out there tells me that there's a lot of untapped potential in natural intelligence. And I hope to see more people studying it and using it to solve some of our major problems, both in medicine and other fields. It's certainly something I like using and talking about. Anyway, I don't want to make this tephopismondence too long. So I'll end with a thank you very much and keep up the great work, my lad. Is that the smartest Defop Respondents we've ever received? I oh, mean, it's right up there and I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, that, that is one of the great miracles of like, you know, humanity and humankind is that we have such a little understanding of, you know, why we're here, how it all works, and yet it continues to kind of work. And so the idea that there is something within us that makes it work despite our lack of understanding of how and why it works is in itself an amazing thing. Waffles writes into us. <laughs> Subject line, Ed Sheeran. Wow, <laughs> Maybe okay. listening to the wrong podcast. Game of Thrones? Is it a Game of Thrones? Hey there, Tofop. Greetings from New Zealand. Uh, just writing in concerning episode 237. From New you Zealand, more like right. sheep shearing, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, Boo. New Zealand. Boo. Boo. I apologize on behalf of the podcast, New Zealand. You had a listener write in to say how much they hated Ed Sheeran. I'm not a massive fan myself, but I thought he needs defending. 
Does he? He's a millionaire. He's fine, mate. He's best mates with Taylor Swift. He was in Game of Thrones. He, he, he doesn't have to pay a band. He plays all his music by himself. He sells out concerts all around the world. He's doing fine, Ed Sheeran. I loved him in the Harry Potter movies. Just because he's a ginger is no excuse to hate on him. Leave the poor man alone. Okay. Was that a joke? He wasn't in the Harry Potter movies, right? Kidding aside. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> I love your work. <laughs> what actors do you think should play musicians in biopics? I think Rupert Grint is a shoe-in for Ed Sheeran, and the and it seemed with two would agree as it's happened in a music video. Here's to at least another 237 episodes. So, Will, are there any actors that you would like to see? I guess, what musicians would you like to see biopics on? Like Bowie? Oh, I mean, it seems to be the flavor of the month now, Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man's coming out soon. Would you like to see The Dirt was on Netflix? Would you like to see a, a Bowie biopic? Or... I mean, Guns for me, it's. I mean, for me, it's got to be t- Tone Loke. I mean, I'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> Who would play Tone Loke? Tone Loke. <laughs> yeah, Tone Loke as Tone Loke in the Tone Loke LL biopic, cool... Funky Cold Medina. <laughs> LL Cool J as Tone Loke. So <laughs> mix a lot is Tone Loke in Funky Cold Medina. Sarah writes in, "Hey, Tofop." Hi, Will and Charlie. Been a listener for over a year now, and I cannot get enough of TOEFOP. I listen on the way to and from work and until recently at the gym. After laughing out loud at Ramona Actually, Farley, I got it then... just, just for a second. Like, Sir Mix-a-Lot, the biopic, would actually be a really funny biopic. Like, if you made a proper, serious biopic about Sir Mix-a-Lot, and, you know, because there's yeah. always this scene where, like, you know, in Bohemian Rhapsody, where he pulls out the microphone, and it's only half the microphone, and then everyone's like, yeah. oh, that's how he started doing that. Like... I just love the idea that Sir Mix would be sitting around one day and he would just be like, I just don't know what the song should be about. And, well, what are you interested in? What, yeah, what do you know about yourself? It's like, well, you know what? Yeah. I girl with a big butt walks in. He's like, I like big butts. And, and yeah. someone else is like, and you're very truthful. And he's like, I got it. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. No, his girlfriend's like, do you love me? And he's like, of course I do. I'm Sir Mix lot. I can't yeah. lie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Sarah loves listening to the show. After laughing out loud at Ramona farting and being evicted from the pod cave at the gym and whilst running on a treadmill, I've had to restrict myself to only listening alone in the car. If you laugh hysterically at something others cannot hear, you not only get strange looks, but you might have ruined the vibe for the rest of the gym members slogging away at 5am. I just wanted to let you know, I both know how much I appreciate your podcast. I suffer from a few chronic illnesses that mean I'm often awake at weird hours and sometimes in bed for days. Tofop has got me through many long days and nights. Thank you so much for brightening up my days with hypothetical situations. I'm a bit ashamed to say I share this Tofop love with no one (laughs) but myself. As I have no idea how to describe Tofop without sounding like I listen to a podcast of two friends talking shit for an hour. Time to revisit the description of Tofop? Question mark. Thank you for the many hours of entertainment. Keep up the good work. Uh, Sarah, I understand that. I often don't tell people I even do a podcast. No, it's, it's hard for us to break it to people as well. Um, and even when someone asks about it, I still don't know. Uh, Guyton Grantley was doing uh, Willosophy and he was asking me, he goes, what's the one you do with Charlie? And I was about 20 seconds into the explanation where I was like, okay, you know what? He goes, does that have something to do with Russell Crowe? I was like, oh, this is, you know what? This is too, <laughs> too hard. hard. This is too hard, mate. Hey, um, we have to finish up, Charlie, because um, we have to record our other podcast and we are on a yep. uh, time constraint today. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah. Let's uh, save our Patreon for next week. Yep. And uh, next week, let's, let's let's make sure you catch up with Game of Thrones. Let's do a big Game of Thrones wrap on. Happy uh, to the do next that. And we mentioned Fire Festival. And in our tradition of mentoring, mentioning that we talk about the Fire Fest- Festival shows, we again have not done that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll add that to the pile of things we have to watch. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is go to patreon.com forward slash tofop. There's lots of bonus material up there. I just uploaded James Fosdyke and my. A latest uh, uh, creation, oh, uh, Quantum Cop Episode 4, which is um, J- Jack Tripper uh, takes on the greatest crime of the century, which is the making of Milo and Otis. It's so good. It's really, really funny. It's a really brilliant comic strip. It's absolutely fantastic. And there's lots of other stuff there as well. You can find um, videos of the uh, uh, the uh, live pod we did with James a couple of months ago, uh, plus behind-the-scenes photos and Q&A videos. Um, you can also check out our Facebook page. If you want to send us a message, you can go to tofop.com and hit Hey Tofop. There's a little tab there for you. And why not check out our other podcasts, Philosophy, Two Guys, One Cup, and Fofop. Uh, you got anything to promote? No, no uh, Newcastle. My Newcastle show is all sold out, so... Uh no, nothing to promote. Uh, so uh, coming up, Game of Thrones and uh, Fire Festival uh, conversations. Technically, they'll both be about Fire Festivals. Wink, Charlie. No spoilers. Wink, wink. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's up to you.